We need this money back, kid. We got the money and then some cash. What? Real money. Real money. Money. Welcome back to the Money Game. Uh, quick solo podcast. This is. I've actually had a couple conversations recently. Just a lot of people asking me about certain purchases, uh, whether they should, you know, how big they should go in an investment or even like a vehicle or just something to treat themselves, whatever it may be. It's it's weird. I've just had a lot of conversation about this. And so I feel that this specific kind of niched down topic could be a good thing for, for to go over. So um, I want to share today quickly my framework on how I view certain purchases and how I go about deciding whether or not that purchase is a good idea and if I end up doing it ultimately. And so the framework that I've created over the last couple years as I've started kind of my wealth building journey is something that to me, I pulled a lot of this from different people, but I think the ultimate goal at the end of the day, whenever you make a purchase, is to really, really think about the sustainability of that purchase, okay? And I've created this framework of just kind of thought processes and basically a checklist of thought processes that you can take towards a purchase. And I hope that this helps some people. It's definitely talked myself as I've gone through this out of certain purchases and actually helped me decide that yes, this is the right time in my life. This is the right time in my journey to make a certain purchase. So just diving right in, the first thing that I, I think about whenever I go and go to make a bigger purchase or any purchase that's of like relevant size, the first thing is how long have you thought about the purchase and why? This is a really, really like important first thing to go through in your thought process because sometimes and probably one of the bigger issues with most people in consumer debt is just emotionally buying things, right? We go to the car dealership with the idea and a budget in mind, and then you know they sit us in the upgraded, pimped out, just macked out version of whatever the car is. Financing says we're cleared for it, and we make an emotional decision to do that. Um, and there's a lot of different things like this, right? We're walking through the store, we see the new Xbox, the new PlayStation, or we're going through shopping, we're going out to dinner, with your significant other, you go by and you see, you know, the exact pair of shoes that you want and you know you're never going to be able to see them again and you just make an emotional decision to go buy that right then and there, but it hasn't been something that you've been contemplating, okay? This is important to recognize. How long have you thought about this? The reason this is the first step is because a lot of times I have the habit that I've gotten into is especially with bigger purchases whether home, vehicle or, you know, something significant, I'll put that on my lock screen. And what happens is as I look at that over and over and over again, it usually helps me realize like, hey, you know, is this still really exciting for me? Is this still really important as I have to face the idea of it day after day after day after day after day for months? Or what happens a lot of the time is I honestly just take it down. I'm like, man, I don't need that. It's not that important. That's not really pushing me towards anything. That was just kind of like in that moment, I thought it was cool or in that moment, I thought I could pull it off or whatever, but I don't. And so that's a really, really good you know, strategy to use. The other part of it is why have you thought about it for a long time, right? 
have you thought about a long time? Because it's just it's just something that you've always wanted, right? Have you always wanted the you know 67 vet? Have you always wanted the house on the hill? Have you always wanted the Rolex or the new iPhone? Like, are you super super into these things? What it is about it, or have you wanted this? investment property, right? It even works for not just liabilities, but also works for assets. Have you wanted to get into crypto for a long, long time? Have you just not learned enough about it? Why are you wanting and why have you thought about it for the amount of time that you that you have been thinking about it? Is it something that's in your long-term goals, etc.? The next thing, and this is a really important, and basically I want you to think of this sustainability checklist kind of a funnel from the top end down to the bottom. And if something makes it out the bottom, then if you still feel good about it as you've really dug deep and thought about it, then it's it's probably something that you can do. And so the next thing, a really simple one is, can you buy it twice, right? If this is something that is gonna be a cash purchase, like this this is an absolute rule. You, you've you gotta be able to buy it twice. If you're gonna go buy a really expensive pair of sneakers, like you gotta have the money to buy it twice, cash in the bank today. If you're gonna go buy a really nice piece of jewelry, watch or ring for your spouse or a ring for yourself or glasses or you're going to put new wheels on your car like can you buy it twice you better be able to buy it twice and then something that i use even going further and i think this is one that people skip a lot can you buy it twice with the money that's lent to you so for example when you go to the bank and you get pre-approved for your home and they say okay you're approved for a million dollar home that is the absolute max of lending capacity that a bank will give you to get your residence in my opinion, like you should then cut that in half and go under five hundred thousand. If it's a million, if it's two fifty, you know, go put it at a hundred thousand. Like, can you, with whatever the bank is giving to you, can you do it twice? If it's a car, Dave Ramsey says all of your vehicles should fit at less than fifty percent of your total annual salary, like the total cost of all your vehicles. And so that's that's something that I don't agree with Dave on a ton of ton of stuff. I'm definitely very I'm I'm pro leverage on a lot of different things as far as investing, but I definitely agree with this. I know so many so many people that a vehicle, a depreciating vehicle is 80, 90, 100, 110% the vehicle price of their annual earnings. That is not a sustainable purchase, not in any way, shape, or form. If one thing happens to you in your life, or you get injured, or it could, you know, your industry disappears, you are so screwed. That is a really, really poor decision. Okay, next, this is a really important one for me, and I think if you are investor-minded and you're on a wealth-building journey, this is something you have to think about. And this one, I think, if more people thought about this next piece, they would talk themselves out of a lot of really dumb purchases. What percentage of your total active income is the purchase? Okay, this is important. Or what percentage of your passive income is it going to take? Or what percentage of your savings or already invested capital are you going to have to pull to be able to pull this off? So a couple examples, right? If you're making in my industry, we kind of get paid in the summer. If you're somebody who had a $20,000 four-year stint in the summer, right? 20000 in four months is awesome. But you go and you buy a $600 pair of sneakers. You need to really, really get deliberate and understanding how high of a percentage a purchase like that is against 20000 bucks. 
Do you have the money in the bank? I know so many people have 10, 15, 20,000 bucks in their checking and think at that moment that they can go make these more advanced purchases. But what is the percentage of your total active income that it takes to do that? Now, on more of an investing side, how much of your total active income is it going to take to pull off this initial investment, whether that's a rental property, an Amazon store, or whatever it may be? How much do you need to liquidate from your stock portfolio and what percentage is that you know earning at? What's the opportunity cost on that money to go get the rental property or to play in a bigger deal? Or if you have a life insurance policy, you know if you're taking a loan out against that or whatever it may be, a savings account. Um, personally, I'm pretty anti-savings account. I think there's much, much, much better places to put money. But if you're a person who has a savings account, how much from your savings is it going to take to pull off you know, the home? And I think if we thought about these percentages a lot better, we would be much more inclined to turn some certain things down and we would just think better about the decisions and the purchases that we make. Next, once you've realized how much of your total active income, passive income, or any investments that you need to pull out of to pull this purchase off, the next thing, and this is like an absolute, um, really, really important one that you need to think about. Is there incremental cost associated with it? For example, when you go buy a home, even a normal 2,200 square foot home, or you take on, you know, rent in a 2,200 square foot, you know, rental, or you go buy the new Tahoe or the new truck, are you thinking about the incremental cost of what it takes to actually furnish the home? Are you thinking about all that extra capital that you're going to have to take out? Are you thinking about the insurance? Are you thinking about the maintenance costs yearly and monthly? Are you thinking about the taxes that are associated with it? All of these things, are you actually thinking about those expenses that come with it? When you go buy the vehicle, how likely are you to keep it stock? Are you going to put new wheels on it? And can you buy those wheels twice, right? Are you going to tint it? Can you buy the tint twice? Are you going to wrap it? Can you buy the wrap twice? The taxes with the car. A lot of luxury vehicles, I know a ton of people who go out and they buy one and it's maybe even a couple years old. The maintenance cost on some of those luxury models is way, way excessive and so much more than a typical car. You know, sometimes the oil change and the maintenance and tire rotations, you can only take them back to those luxury dealers and they charge a huge premium. That's actually where a lot of those car companies make their money is in the maintenance side, not the sell of the car. And so you got to be really, really aware, especially depending on what state you're in. What are the property taxes for having all of this stuff? Okay. Um, and then even if it's sneakers, right? Like, are there any incremental costs with that? Like, do you have to get cleaning because they're nice? You know, is it a, a nice piece of jewelry? Is it an iPhone? Is there any subscription cost associated with it? That's a big piece as well, right? If you're going to buy a property, is there a mortgage that you got to cover? If you're going to buy an Amazon store, is there incremental capital that's needed to pull this off from an investment standpoint? You need to be really, really aware. What are all the incremental costs associated with the purchase? The next thing, this one for me is like a make or break, uh, especially when it comes to stuff for my personal life. Um, and even as well from an investing standpoint, this is a really, really big deal. Will it require more 
of your active of your active income to sustain the purchase. So what I mean by that, if you go buy your first home that you're going to live in, are you going to have to use more and more of your active income to pay that mortgage? If you go and you purchase, you know, a membership, how much of your active income is it going to take? to keep the Netflix alive, to keep the phone alive, right? Like you don't just buy an iPhone. You also get the data plan and you get the Apple stuff and you get Spotify and you have apps and you have books. Like you have all of these incremental costs associated with things like that. A car, can the payment, right? Can the payment that you need on the car, is it going to take more and more of your active income to sustain that payment every single month? This is a really important thing. For me, if the answer to that question is yes, it takes more active income, I can't do the purchase, right? It just, it's not gonna make sense. I, I won't do it. I don't wanna put myself in a situation where things that I take on are dependent on my effort and time consistently to continue to develop and keep live. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, I don't have any passive income yet. How am I supposed to take on the car or the home or my rent? without having active income. And this is really important. Like this is why you need to start thinking about these things and you got to get more creative in having a sustainability mindset. The first home I owned, I house hacked. I made all the decisions from this purchasing framework to go do that because there was no incremental cost for my active income to actually maintain that home. I lived in it, rented out the rooms and I was able to eliminate my living expense. Over the last few years, I've built up residual income sources from my job. And so I make sure my wife and I, nothing gets purchased if the reoccurring revenue, the reoccurring expense, excuse me, of whatever it is, the bill, the payments, the maintenance, whatever, doesn't fit inside the passive income streams. As well, when I go to make additional investments right now in my real estate or stock or whatever the investment is. I want to make sure that the real estate that I buy is income producing. What that means is all I got to do is supply the down payment, the creativity, the legwork. I can get into the deal, but it's not taking more and more of my capital and active income to keep it going. That the tenants are paying the mortgage, which is the incremental cost that's coming every month and the taxes and the maintenance that we include CapEx, that we have contingencies for you know hard costs and soft costs, especially if it's in development, that all of those things are accounted for. Okay. That's a really, really important thing to start going through. So if you know you need a vehicle and there's incremental costs in the active income, then you need to go find a vehicle that you can buy cash that's really, really cheap. The first vehicle I bought as I was in my wealth building journey. After I had that house, I bought a Prius cash. There was no more incremental cost to it. I paid the insurance yearly, so I didn't have to worry about monthly and active income to get that done. Didn't have anything else to do with it. It was awesome. It helped me have more capital, continue to be more free to work on my business, but as well to then go reinvest. Okay, the next thing. This is a really important one as well. If you have to get rid of the purchase, is there any liquidity? Okay. This is where you see a lot of people get in trouble, right? They go get the house, it's the dream house or the dream car, and they go they go in over their head. The problem with that is maybe they buy in the upswing of a market and they think it's going to keep going or they're so sure in the safety of this purchase and then it comes back down. 
if you have to liquidate, if you have to sell the the watch, the house, the car, the shoes, the desk, the furniture, whatever, or the rental property even, right? Especially if it's an investment, how fast can you get out of it? How long is money tied up in it? And then is the liquidation, the sell of it, greater or less than what you're already into it? Are you able to actually get funds out of it or is it just a sunk cost? Those are important things to, to realize. If you're buying real estate as an investment on appreciation only and you're super dependent on the market continuing to rip or you're buying stocks um, and you're on margin or something is similar to that and you're waiting and you need the market to rip and it doesn't, are you can you can you maintain that or is it going to put you in a really really tight spot the last two that i have um and these are really kind of more psychology things that i go through as i've gone through this checklist and if it makes it through all these things uh then it's then it's probably something that i'll do plan on doing or i'll realize hey like i don't need to this next one how much of your identity or desired identity are you associating with this purchase this is a really, really important one because just like the first one, how long have you thought about it and why? I think these tie really good together. How much of your identity are you or desired identity are you associated with the purchase? Are you buying the sneakers to show other people? Are you buying the car to show other people? Are you buying the house, the clothes, the Gucci, the Supreme, the, the whatever it is, is it for others or is it for you? What's the message with the purchase? Because and it's totally okay. We all do things a little bit for the recognition or a lot of it for the recognition of other. I'm not naive to that. I do it as well. But what I'm saying is if your entire identity is tied up in the things that you're bringing on from a physical temporal standpoint and you do get in a tight spot, but all of your identity is wrapped in that, that's where you start to see these people who amass massive wealth and lose it all because instead of selling off all the assets and lowering their lifestyle. They put themselves, their families, and their businesses in extremely precarious situations because they won't level down because all of their identity is tied up in these things. Now, on the flip side, on a positive aspect of this, because that's a little negative, right? The positive side of this is, you know, is it part of your desired identity? And what I mean by that is not the flex side. I mean, are you buying, you know, putting money into this fund? Are you buying a real estate property? Are you buying the Amazon store? Are you doing some really smart, savvy things with your money that you have this desire to any? I want to be wealthy. I want to be financially free. I'm going to live in one part of a triplex and rent the other sides out. And that's why I'm buying this because I want to be financially independent. I want to have financial fortitude. Is that an identity thing that you're associating with? That can be good. Is it moving you towards that? Okay. And then the last one is how far towards or away from your long-term goals does the purchase move you? Um, this is really important as well because in this checklist, I'm super big about nice stuff, right? Like I love the cars, the houses, the watches. I love all that stuff. And the reason I've developed this over the last couple of years and six years as of doing this and the reason I've been able to invest a lot of my money and amass more wealth than most people that make what I make is because I'm just aware of when to level up. And I think that's what this checklist does. 
So how far towards or away from your long-term goals does this move you? For example, if you are right out of college and you just got your $50,000 job and you've got the most money that you've ever had in your life, but you have these goals to be a millionaire someday, to have a million-dollar net worth, $50,000, if you go and you buy a $50,000 vehicle, that moves you so far away from your long-term goal and your ability to actually invest, it's ridiculous. However, let's say 10 years down the road, you've climbed the ladder or you've built commission skill sets and you're in sales and you're running teams and you're kicking ass and you've invested for six years and now you're making half a million a year and you have a million plus invested. And then you decide to go make a $50,000 car purchase. That now is moving you less from a percentage standpoint, it has less impact on your long-term goals to now go to 10 million or whatever it may be. If it's a really nice watch, right? Like I just got my first nice watch after six years of working professional industry and doing tons and tons and tons of real estate deals, never spending very much money on myself. I finally did one because in the first year, and I, it was funny, I had a buddy who even came to me and said, dude, you could have bought that thing 10 times over, you know, three, four, five years ago. And that's true. The reason I didn't is because then as a percentage of my income, as a percentage of my wealth and of my assets, it would have been too big and I wasn't comfortable with it. Now, the percentage of it and the setback that it gave to me, because it still is a setback, there still is an opportunity cost to luxury goods and what I could have done with more investments. But I do think you do need to enjoy along the way. You just need to be very hyper aware of what percentage is it pulling you away from your goals, right? 10,000 bucks when you're worth over a million bucks is a lot less of a percentage than 10,000 bucks when you're worth negative 50K because you have no assets. All you have is debt. So these are the things that I go through when I make a purchase. Hopefully this is helpful. Um, If it's not, don't worry about it. But I encourage you, whether you use this framework or not, develop some type of thought process as you go and you level up your lifestyle. Do it within your means. Invest more than you live on and you can level up. You just gotta be really aware of these things. Develop your framework. If you don't have one, feel free to use this. If you know somebody who's looking at buying a home, looking at buying a vehicle, or going through any of these big purchases, or makes a lot of stupid purchases, please send them this because I promise if people went through this, whether or not they went through it all, if they just listen to this, you're gonna think a lot more about the next time you just pull out 300 bucks for shoes or you go buy the nicest phone or you go get the you go to dinner at the nicest restaurant based on percentages of your income, percentages of your investments and of your wealth. If I think if we use this, we can create a much more sustainable life to go do all of those fun and nice things, but we can do it forever because we're doing things and buying things in the right order. That's all I got for you today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Money Game. You've been listening to The Money Game. But we all love money. Helping you level up and take control. It's a lot of money, baby. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. Real money. Real money. Money is the answer. Y'all be cool. And we'll see you next time on The Money Game. Money. Money. Yes!